Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode number 18 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Hughes, and with me today again is Andrew McQuiston, my co-host. Andrew, how you doing, man? Doing good. Man, we got a lot to talk about again today. It seems like every week when I start making these show notes, I'm like, my God, once I finish, there's so much to talk about about when you're only recording once a week. And once again, I've got a full show here for us. Yeah, it's that time of year. There's so much going on. Guys' values are going up and going down, and it's crazy. Yeah, it's a good point. Early in the year especially, there's a lot happening because you have these preconceived ideas of what a player is going to be, and it just just doesn't always work out that way. There's guys that explode. There's guys that disappoint. When you're in the middle of August, you may have a better feeling for who somebody is, but right now, everything's changing. Values are changing. Yeah. It's kind of like the standings in your league. When you get to like that point in the season, they don't move much, and right now, it's they, they move a lot, and uh, that's kind of like how it is with some of these players. It's just because there's no sample until now other than previous seasons, so... That's a really good comp, the whole standings and fantasy leagues. Well, tonight we're going to talk about the news. A lot of things going on this week again, more injuries, and we're going to play a game called the Panicometer. I say game, but we're going to be discussing how panicked we should be about some of these slow starting players. Then we're going to talk a little bit about some dynasty moves we've made this week, some redraft moves, and I'll cue to Andrew at the end to ask him about who's caught his eye when watching games this week. And we're going to start off with the news. And the biggest news of the week may be a contract extension that Ozzie Albies signed with the Braves. I think it was late last week he agreed to a seven-year, $35 million contract with two more club options at the end for $7 million for each season. That means this could go for nine years, putting him to almost around age 30 before he hits free agency. And I'm all for players staying with their organizations, but this deal seems really ill-advised for Albies to agree to, doesn't it, Andrew? Well, I mean, I don't know if I'm missing something, but it's just kind of like he's obviously a stud. He's young. Um, I mean, I'm not going to blast a guy for signing a $35 million contract. Obviously he's set for life and that's all great, but gosh, you would just think that there's almost no way he doesn't do a lot better than that if he waits. So I don't know. The Braves sure are doing good though. Getting Acuna and Albies at the prices they got them for the years that they're going to have them, like basically through their twenties. I mean, that's just phenomenal. Yeah, I remember saying that last week when we were talking about Acuna's deal. And it's like, this just sets them up. And now they get Albies at this price to where they are absolutely set up to be successful for the next 10 years. When you have those guys at those reasonable contracts, it gives you flexibility with the rest of your roster. Yeah, it's great for them. I I love the uh, players staying with the team. I mean, for the bulk of their career, you know, that's. That's all great too. I I uh, I just I'm kind of I guess I could say I'm kind of surprised he did it, but I'm kind of that way with a lot of these deals. But they're doing them 
And I saw Eric O'Flaherty, who's a left-handed reliever, or was enough. I don't know if he still is or not for the Braves. And he had a tweet, and it said, after you drive a Latin teammate to the grocery store Western Union so they can spend $110 of their $120 two-week paycheck home to their family and then watch them pick up a $10 bag of rice to eat for the week, you completely understand the player's mindset on signing these deals. And I get that part in terms of, this is life-changing for Albies and his family, but I think if I'm Albies and I'm sitting there, or if I'm his agent, I'm saying, okay, you want to give them a good rate for those years, that for the years that they have control of them, great. But at the very least, at the end of those with those option years, make them twenty million or so, twenty-five million. And the Braves, if they have an opportunity to have him into age thirty and paying him fifty million on the back two years at club options to where if he's not even playing well and he's not worth that, they can let him go. If I'm them, I'm, if I'm Atlanta, I'm still agreeing to that. Yeah, totally agree. I think it would change the way people are viewing this deal if that was the case. Because people aren't up in arms about Acuna. They weren't up in arms about Eloy quite as bad as they were over Albies. Yeah, okay. and, to be, and to be clear, I'm, I don't think it's like bad in any sense it's just uh it's just surprising to me i guess is the best way to to say it with with what i feel like he would have gotten had he waited but you know it is what it is it's 35 million dollars is a lot of money so it's uh it's kind of hard to bag on him for that he's not sending his family 110 dollars right now (laughs) right he's helping his family a lot more at home right all right, we'll move on next to Vlad Guerrero Jr. He was called up to AAA last week, late last week, and he's been destroying the cover off the ball in Buffalo. I know he hit a home run late last week, and I think you told me he hit one again tonight. We've crossed that deadline where a team has to keep a player down to get that seventh-year control, and it should be up any time now. I think he's on the road right now, and should be. I think Toronto plays at home next week, and he better be up by then, Andrew. Yeah, they are in uh, they're in Minnesota tonight, and tom- I think tomorrow afternoon is their getaway day, and then I think they go to Oakland. I'm not a hundred percent on that. I know they're on the road this weekend, and then they're back home. So, yeah, I mean, you would think any day. It's I look at their lineups each day, and I just I just laugh inside like it's if I was a Jays fan, I. I would refuse to go to the games with them putting out the team that they're putting out and him in the minors. It's just, it's, it's kind of a joke, but it should be soon. So that's a good thing. I think I could understand them not having up right now because they are on the road. I'd be furious if that next opener, that next game at home, they don't have him up yet. From what we've heard of their attendance and stuff. I think we talked about that in the last show. It, it's just like you would think it's inevitable. Yeah. Hopefully we'll see him next week. Next up, Gary Sanchez is on the injured list with a calf strain. He was placed there this last Friday, but he's saying he should be able to return on the 21st when he's first eligible to return. Now, when I look at the Yankees roster and their Tuesday lineup, I realize that the Yankees really need that guy right now. They're missing a lot of bats. I can't believe how badly they've been hurt in the injury department this year. And what sucks worse for fantasy owners is that there's no one to replace Gary, what Gary Sanchez brings to the, 
your their fantasy teams. Kind of like what I was saying a couple weeks ago about losing Trey Turner. If you own him, there's nobody to replace him, and there's nobody like Gary Sanchez at the catcher position. Yeah, I know it's uh, you can't replace him. Hard for the Yankees to replace him. They've been, like you said, beat up. I mean, they've got Stanton out, Sanchez out, Severino out. It's just, it's it's brutal for them, too. So, um, hopefully it won't be long. It doesn't seem too serious. Um, I've got a couple shares of them, and kind of sucks, too. But, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to be too long. That's the hope for that. Uh, their owners need them. His owners need him, I mean. Yeah, for sure. Clayton Kershaw's back. And, Andrew, on Monday night, you had a great post on Facebook talking about, you know, your love for that player because you've owned him from the get-go. And he had his first start of the season on Monday night, allowing two runs and seven innings and a no decision and a really nice pitcher's duel with Luis Castillo. It was pretty great to see him back out there, wasn't it, Andrew? Yeah, yeah, it was good. Uh, he pitched pretty good. He, the velocity still just isn't there. I mean, he was sitting like 90-91, you know, and that's that's going to be tough over time. But the good thing is, is you know the command and control is there. I mean, he knows how to pitch. But, you know, that can kind of only get you so far. I'm I'm curious to see how the next few starts go. He, did, he still doesn't look quite like, you know, Clayton Kershaw in capital letters, but good to see him back out there for sure. I mean, we'll, uh, as far as going forward, you know, you just kind of take it start by start. I was impressed that he last, lasted seven innings. Seemed like they were kind of pulling him a little early in those rehab starts, and I was like almost kind of going into the start thinking, I just hope he gets through five or six and it's fairly clean, and he got through seven, so it was good to see. I remember seeing his rehab, and they might have pulled him a little early. I was thinking in that last rehab start that he was probably going to get a full game in for this one. I wasn't as surprised to see him get a full game in. Maybe seven innings isn't what I was expecting. But like you said, I was, when I watched on Monday, I didn't see the whole start, but I saw him in the 90, 91 mile an hour range too. But he does know how to pitch. And I think even if he is a 90 to 91 mile an hour pitcher going forward, which this first game back, that might not be the case, but he should be able to pitch and at a really high level, even like, even at that velocity. Yeah. Yeah. It's certainly possible. All right. So on a scale of one to 10, how confident are you that these injuries are behind him and he's good to go now in terms of pitching the rest of the year? Um, kind of in the middle, probably like around a five. I, I just, the thing is, it's just been, it's happened so much and he hasn't gotten it fixed. You know, like you hear, you hear people talk about, um, how, when you have like those back issues, if you don't get them fixed, it's not like they just go away and he hasn't done any, you know, he hasn't had the surgery. He hasn't done anything to get it fixed, which I don't really understand that part. I don't get why they haven't just done it like after the World Series where he has the offseason to recover. It seems like it makes sense. I know there's risk involved in it, but um, it's kind of surprising to me that they haven't had somebody step up and say, we need to do this for his future. But, yeah, you know, you're cautiously optimistic. I, I, I would be somewhere in the middle. I could see it kind of going either way as far as this year goes and him 
being good to go for the rest of the year. Unfortunately, because he had two different things this spring, I think I'm less optimistic than you. I'd probably put it at a two or a three. I still think something's going to happen at some point this year, and he misses another good chunk of the season. But yeah, that's fair. I, I agree with you in terms of after a World Series, if he could get that back worked on, even if he missed the first half of the year, they are such a loaded team. They can afford to be without him, and then they'd still have him back, hopefully, in the latter part of the year and ready to go for the World Series run again. That's a team that's going to contend every year, and they don't need any member of that team. They could lose and be fine. Yeah, I just don't get how when you're a guy like that, how they think that not fixing the problem is better than fixing the problem. I I just, uh, you know, it's just kind of odd because it's been going on for, you know, a couple years now, a few years, whatever. And it just seems like that you could time it to where, you know, they get knocked out of the playoffs or the season ends or whatever happens. And then you do it. And then you have, you know, five months until the regular season starts again that at least buys you some time there where he doesn't have to be out there. So I'm just, I'm surprised that that hasn't happened. Could you imagine if he was on the Mets? I was sitting there thinking of pitchers around the league right now. And, you know, the guys who mean more to their teams, the Aces and DeGrom and Thor came to my mind. And if DeGrom was having these back problems year after year and they weren't doing it, we'd be like, what are the Mets doing? This is another instance right. of the Mets not knowing what they're doing with injuries. But Right, yeah. And we're still questioning why this isn't happening here. Uh, I don't know. We'll just move on. And owning Braves pitchers right now feels like a mess. Sean Newcomb, after last inning, lasting just one and a third innings this past Saturday, was optioned to AAA on Sunday, taking his place as the returning Tuki Toussaint, who was outstanding in relief of Newcomb on Saturday. Let's start with Newcomb here. How deep of a redraft league do you need to be in to keep him stashed on your bench? Uh, probably at least 15 teams, if not more. I, I don't really think I would prioritize keeping him stashed in a redraft league. I will say it's kind of situational because, you know, like obviously he's in the minors now, so you have to put him in a reserve slot. You have seven reserve slots. That's taking up one. If you're already stashing, let's say, Vlad or Craig Kimbrell or, you know, Lizardo. however, yeah, Lazardo, Whitley, um, any, really any minor leaguer. And then anybody that's, I guess there's not too many examples like similar to Kimbrell, but you get what I'm saying. It's, there's only so many of those guys that you can stash on your bench. If it's, if it's really deep, maybe you can, but you know, with their options, you may be waiting a while. I would probably drop him in a redraft league, or at least be, if I was holding him, it would be over a guy that just meant totally nothing. You know, just like a rotational, say a streamer spot or something. Maybe you would keep him over somebody like that. But other than that, I wouldn't be too attached to him. You know, I flip-flopped on him in the last year. There were times... I didn't want him before he came up. I'm just not interested in a guy that walks that many. 
is he pitched pretty well there for a bit and I was starting to become convinced, but as the off season came and I was looking at options and knowing that they have so many pitchers there and he has his struggles, I, I just wasn't interested still in him at his price this off season. And I don't think I'd hold on to him right now because they have so many options. I'm in a 15 teamer. I'm throwing him back. I'm sitting there thinking, as I mentioned, Lazardo, who would I rather have between Lazardo and um, Newcomb if I owned them both? And my answer is Lazardo, even with the shoulder thing. What about you? Oh, yeah. 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 No doubt. Lazardo. Because the thing is, when Lazardo returns, he's probably pitching in that rotation immediately. He's probably not even making them start. Yeah. The well, once well, he gets his rehabs in. There's also the risk with Newcomb that he's not even good. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't exactly. been good. He hasn't been good, you know. I mean, granted, there's, I guess you could say there's that risk with Lazardo, but w- there's, we've seen some sample now of Newcomb being up and not being good. So you could also just be holding him for him to return and not help you. So that's that's something. I, I like I said in a redraft, I wouldn't be too attached. There's a non-zero chance he never makes a start in the major leagues again. I mean, he could struggle down there with his command, and they finally stick him in the bullpen, and he come back up as a bullpen piece, and yeah. maybe maybe he does well doing that. I mean, he's got the stuff to be a Josh Hader type player in the pen if he if they decide to go that route i'm saying all things maybe not to that level but he's got the ability to be a really good left-handed reliever if that's the route they went and with how many options they have can't put it past them yeah they could do they could put him in the pen so with Wright and newcomb being set sent down i kyle Wright was also sent down I'm starting to wonder if we need to fade all of Atlanta starting pitchers in dynasty leagues. There's so many options that one can be left behind if they struggle. What are your thoughts on that, Andrew? Um, In dynasty leagues, I don't know. To me, it kind of depends on what, what the cost is, like what, what you have to pay to get them. I think it's kind of case by case and you just kind of go with it. I, I do think that they have enough guys that, when those guys are in there, you know, they'll probably be okay, but uh-huh. it's just, they're going to cycle in and out a lot, kind of, kind of in a way, a little similar to the Dodgers. I mean, not at the same level of quality as them, but you know how we talk about cycling Dodgers guys in on and off the DL. It's almost kind of like those guys cycling uh, um, in and out of the minors similar. I mean, I could see, I could see some of that. And that's my point. I'm okay buying them cheap. You can get those guys. You can grab one of those guys the last few years, and you got them for real cheap. But I think the moment I start seeing them have value, I think I'd be trying to move them just because there's all it takes is some struggles. And I'd be trying to move them either right when they came up or even before they come up, just depending on what their how hot their meter is for with other people. Okay. We'll move on to Yankees third baseman Miguel Andahar, who a couple weeks ago looked like he was out for the year, and he's not out of the woods yet, but he took 25 dry swings and 25 swings off of a tee on Friday. He was only swinging at 50% effort, but this is a good sign. There's still a chance we don't see him this year, but I'm mostly bringing him up to remind you guys to bring to check your leagues and make sure he hasn't been cut yet, because there's a chance he's coming back now, and somebody may have seen the news two weeks ago, and Decided to go on and drop him. My one 12 team league that I'm in on NFBC, I picked him up this past Sunday. Wow. Not, not because 
I, I will admit, I was on the fence of picking him up. The thing is, is with this team, I, I have uh, so seven man bench, right? I have Matt Olson. Now there's and there's no DL in NFBC. Okay, I've got Matt Olson, Nick Senzel, Vlad Jr., <laughs> Craig Kimbrell, and um, and and Andahar, and I picked Andahar up. Um, and the only reason that I did it, I bid six fab dollars. Nobody else bid on him. And he was hundred dollar, hundred dollar, thousand dollar budget. Thousand. Wow. Okay. So it cost it cost me nothing. The yeah. only the only reason I did it was because I figured it buys me a week of news. Mm-hmm. And maybe this coming Sunday I have to drop one of those guys. I mean, obviously I'm not dropping Vlad or Kimbrell. And, you know, the other ones, like I've thought about dropping Olsen a couple different times, but, you know, the news is getting a little bit better on him. So, but yeah, the minute, if I have to do it, I have to do it. But this week it was like the starters that I had, I didn't need to stream anybody. You know, it was like, I didn't really need my bench. So I just picked up Andahar and I just figured I'll just wait and see where we're at in a week because obviously he's better than the guys that are available. It's just a matter of him getting back. So. But yeah, it's hard, man. It's it's tough. I I can I stretch myself pretty thin on my bench sometimes, like holding guys. But but I also know there's a point where if you just can't do it, you can't do it. But this week I could. So I get it. I mean, he was a top hundred player in redraft leagues going into the year, and if he comes back healthy, you can either move him or you can move your starter, whoever it is you have in there, and just plug him in there and fill another hole. Right, I like that. Right. Or if or if there's good news on Andahar and bad news on Olsen all of a sudden, well then I can drop Olsen and keep Andahar. You know, it's just it depends on where what type of news happens. So Or there could be really good news on both of them and you're really having to yeah. have a tough decision this weekend. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh Runad Odor with the Rangers was placed on the ten day IL on Saturday after sitting out Friday with right knee soreness. And that's a tough break for his owners. Do you have any shares of him anywhere, Andrew? No, no shares. Definitely a tough break. Yeah, I have him in an auction redraft league, so I have had to scramble to go fill a spot. I don't remember who I plugged in there or if I had somebody already, but it wasn't good. I know when I looked at the free agents, it was not good. What about Carlos Gonzalez? His contract was purchased by the Indians, and he was up. I think he was hitting third on Sunday. To me, is this a clear stay away in fantasy leagues, Andrew? Yeah, I think pretty much. He was at, he's actually hitting cleanup tonight. Oh, um, God. Yeah, it's it's ugly. It's ugly in Cleveland. But uh it sounds like Lindor's going to be back here in the next couple of days. They're saying Friday. Not that that has a huge effect on cargo cuz they obviously don't play the same position, but yeah, I'd pretty much be staying away. I don't I don't think there's much there anymore. If you're in a true pinch and you just need some short-term at-bats, you know, he could maybe give you that, but I don't know what he's going to do with them. You know, you just brought up Lindor. I'll just move on, skip ahead to him. He is be- he began a rehab assignment on AAA Columbus on Tuesday night, and I saw a replay last night on Facebook, on the Baseball 365 Facebook group. Somebody posted a replay of his home run, and my God, he put that thing into orbit. Yeah, It was that. a blast. Yeah, um, I saw it. It looks like he should be back soon, helping many fantasy owners. That includes you, Andrew. 
Yeah, I, I read today uh, they said he's probably going to join the team Friday and then they'll just decide if they're ready to activate him Friday or Saturday or whatever day. But, yeah, it sounds like this weekend he should be back. So it's great. I mean, ah. we need him back. Indians, Owners. Indians definitely need him back too. I was just about to say, owners need him back, and the Indians desperately need that guy back. I mean, yeah. there's they need any bat they can get. It's not been a pretty start to the season, but we've talked about them a lot in terms of their struggles. It's been like an awkward uh, adjustment to when like seeing Cleveland as a matchup for your pitcher and thinking mm-hmm. that's a great matchup, like. I started, I know we had mentioned before, but I started Eric Swanson today against Cleveland in one of my draft and holds. I have on my early draft and holds. I just, I took him real late and um, I forget who the option was. He was about the last guy um, as I was going through, you know, my options to start this week, the last one my last starter basically. But I remember thinking like, man, I think he's going to pitch good. He's at home he's against Cleveland. And sure enough, he pitched good six innings, one run, five K's. Yeah. I've got yeah, a second good start. I'll be bringing Swanson up later. All right. Rodas Vizcano was placed on the 10 day IL with right shoulder inflammation. And on Wednesday it was announced he had surgery to repair his labrum and remove scar tissue. And he's out for the season. This opens the door for Mentor to take over the closer role for Atlanta. My first question, Andrew, do you think we ever see Vizcano as the closer for the Braves again? Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, possibly, yeah, but these kind of situations, you just never know. Like, if, if, if Mentor takes over now and is just totally dominant, lights out the rest of the year, his window for that may be done, but that may not happen too. It, it kind of depends on the rest of the year. I feel like Atlanta is constantly shifting their closer since uh-huh. they had Kim, since they had Kimbrel. Don't you? It's like I swear. I feel like I don't even know who it is most of the time because it's changing all the time. It's well, just weird. I think viscano for the last few years has been the guy and then lost the role for one reason or another a lot of time injury and i think that's why it's floated around so much i'm surprised they've stuck with him this long but i mean they just keep going they just keep cycling him in and out and fill in the hole whenever he's not the guy my second question is what are your thoughts on mentor as the closer for the Braves? Are you high on him as a pitcher? I don't even know. I hate to say this, but I don't even know if I've seen him pitch before. And if so, it's been a while. Uh, I think he can be fine. Yeah. I, I mean, I think he can be, uh, be all right in the closer role. It's, it's one of those things. It's um, relievers are such short samples that in a short burst, anybody can be good long-term. I think he could be okay, yeah. I mean, the thing is, I, I've never really thought Vizcaino was that good. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that it's the type of thing where he can't just overtake him. I mean, obviously this year Vizcaino's done, but um, as far as like going forward, I don't think that uh, Vizcaino, like I said before, is locked into anything. So, yeah, I think Minter could, could stick, but... Would I be surprised if he didn't? I mean, no. 
it's crazy that we're a few weeks into the season and Craig Kimbrell and Keichel are not signed yet. It just feels like if Kimbrell was willing to drop his price a little bit, Atlanta sure would sign him. But he, I keep hearing reports that he's still sticking to wanting to get a four or five year deal and is going to sit out and wait. And I don't, it doesn't seem like Atlanta's willing to budge, but. Man, it sure feels like it'd be it'd be really nice if they could just both come to some sort of agreement in the middle and they get him in there. Yeah, I actually was going to say I thought I I'm actually almost positive I saw the other day that he was lowering his price and was willing to take something for like 3 years. But I mean, how much truth there is to that? I don't I don't know. And yeah, it seems like Atlanta would be the perfect fit especially now after this after this news huh i'm just now seeing yeah john morrissey on mlb.com reported on the 16th yeah so that would be tuesday that he was moving closer to a decision on where to sign up i don't know all right let's bring up a few performances over the last week moving past a lot of the injuries and moving into performances and first off the streak is finally over it's time to celebrate because chris davis's 0 for 54 streak without a hit has ended and it ended with three hits on saturday he goes 0 for 54 and then goes three for five on saturday i saw on roto world that the dugout erupted when he got the hit and he took it all in stride, even asking for the ball after getting the hit. And that's pretty awesome for him to be have that kind of sense of humor over something like this. Yeah, I tell you, it's it's got to be. I I was legitimately starting to feel bad for him. I I know he's making a lot of money, and there's probably people out there that are like, I don't feel bad for him because he's making all that money, and I get all that, and I've probably said that stuff before, but um. I, there's a human element to all of this. That's like, imagine just going in every single day, having to hear about that and having to deal with it, having it be you. And every time you come to the plate or walk out onto the field, you're getting harassed and booed and God, it would just be awful. <laughs> like I, uh, I was starting to feel bad for him. I actually had to laugh too. Cause I saw MLB, <laughs> uh, MLB, you know what I'm going to say when they said yes. uh, when they posted he's batting 600 in his last <laughs> five at bats, <laughs> or his last was it his last five at bats? Yeah, yeah, uh, something like three, that. Three for five or whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with a big graphic, it looked like it was something right, amazing. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like the most trolling that the MLB Twitter feed has probably ever done, but it was pretty funny. And you know, going back to davis and booing him i think if i was a baltimore oriole fan we discussed this on baseball 365 and there are some oriole fans who disagree with my take here and basic and your take too but i'd be more mad at the organization than i'd be mad at davis yeah he signed that deal everybody was trashing that deal and nobody thought that that was a smart deal there's a reason he was still sitting out there late in the offseason and i know we've had stars sitting out there late more and more in the last few years but davis Nobody should have been giving that guy a seven-year deal, and that's on Baltimore. He seems like a real good dude who I, you never hear anything negative said about him in the clubhouse, and I I feel for him too. Yeah, I, I give him props for handling it the way that he has. I mean, he's done pretty good considering the circumstances. So, Yeah, there are many people that would have been lashing 
at the media when they were giving them interviews. I remember David Ortiz not really taking it well, I don't know, eight, ten years ago when he was having those struggles and it looked like he may be done. And I remember him getting a little snippy with the media. I'm sorry, David Ortiz and Red Sox fans. That's a cherry picking the one thing I remember. I, I know there's been other instances like that, though. And Davis, meanwhile, he's handled it with stride. Yeah. Then on Sunday, Herman Marquez had a no-hitter going into the eighth inning for the Rockies. Evan Longoria singled in the eighth to end it. I was doing family stuff that day, so I missed the game. But Andrew, you were watching that game in the late innings, weren't you? I think I remember you mentioning that on the on our messenger chat group. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was watching it. I need to really sit down and watch a start of his because I don't know if I've ever watched a full one yet. His stuff is nasty whenever you go look at his lines. I just I really need to sit down and watch one and when I do I'm gonna make sure it's a road start. <laughs> Yeah, see, I I almost want to catch him at home more than I do on the road because he he's a stud. He is a stud. Like he he is really good. I I the the question you always wonder is how long can it hold up at cores? I think mm-hmm. he's actually only had one start at cores so far. But mm-hmm. the Rockies haven't played that many home games yet either. So you know that'll all play itself out over the course of the year, but. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's definitely a stud. So we'll see how things go when he's got some more starts at Coors. But, yeah, he looks great. Yes, he does. All right, finally, we're going to talk about something I don't want to talk about because I am a Cardinal fan, and that's Christian Yelich, who continues to destroy St. Louis. In the first series of the season, they had a four-game series in Milwaukee, and he had four home runs in the first four games, all against the Cardinals. And then going into this week's series, he hit three home runs on Monday and another one off of a reliever on Tuesday, putting him at eight home runs in six games against St. Louis. I'm thinking that if I'm Mike Schilt, the Cardinals manager, every time I see Yelich come to play at the plate at this point, I'm pointing to first base and just sending him there. Yeah, I was, I was thinking, I was like, how are they still throwing this guy strikes? The other thing that, um, just kind of made me laugh too when I was thinking this morning. The Cardinals and Brewers have been playing the whole season. It feel it feels like. Yeah, I there can go a, without there seeing was a them post, anymore. There was a post in the group about it today, and I was laughing because on my way to work today, I thought of it and I pulled up the schedule, and I saw that. Because I knew obviously they played the first series in Milwaukee. Because I remember, you know. The Kane robbed home run and all that. I remembered that. And then they've been playing them this week in Milwaukee. And I was like, what is going on? So I, and I, I started thinking I had it wrong. But then I looked it up. I'm like, they've played seven games. Today was their seventh game in Milwaukee already. And they play them next week. Obviously, they're in, it's interdivision, but it's just so strange the way the schedule's set up with them. I, that, and then I was, I was thinking about it because of Yelich and everything else. But yeah. He's crushing it. I mean, it's just like a video game with him. I, guy is like at the peak of his powers, you know, just he's going crazy. It's it's nuts. And un, unfortunately, unfortunately for you and the Cardinals, it's all been against you because they've been playing nonstop. So it's just kind of funny the way the schedule is. I respect that organization. I really like Milwaukee as an organization. I'm ready to not see them anymore for a while. I need a break. Yeah. It's been ugly. And 
I, before the year, I think I said I'd take the under on 25 home runs in the low 20s and homers, and he's already coming up close to halfway there. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. That, that one's not looking good, but oh well. All right, Andrew. It's time to play the Panic-O-Meter game. Basically, I looked up a lot of the players with slow starts across baseball, and Andrew and I are going to give a 1-10 to 10 rating on how worried we are about these players. So if you're incredibly worried and you're thinking this is going to, be, this is going to end really bad, as bad as it started, that's a 10. And if we're thinking, no, this guy's going to be fine, and this is all bad luck, we might give it a 1, and that's how we'll do it. Before I start, I should mention that I wrote these notes up on Tuesday afternoon, so if something big happened Tuesday night, the numbers may be a bit off. With some of the pitchers I mentioned, I did go update them, but some of these hitters may have their numbers be a little off. And I listed these by position, and we're going to start off with catcher, and we're going to start off with a probably future Hall of Famer in Buster Posey. Has a 213 batting average with zero home runs, one RBI, and two runs scored as of Tuesday afternoon. Andrew, what's your panic meter rating for Buster Posey? Uh, it's kind of a hard one for me because I wasn't really on him in the preseason, so my expectations were just kind of whatever with him. Uh, we kind of talked about it in the preseason as far as him not being what he used to be, I would say like a, are we doing like 10 is the most panicked and one yes. is the least? And this is more, this is more, I guess I should say, this is more if you own him. Let's say you owned him and you were thinking, ah, I'm buying low here. I would say probably like a six to seven. I, I don't really see what people see other than the brand name the Buster Posey it's he's a different guy now yeah I had him as a seven and yeah I do agree he's a different guy if you went in thinking you were going to get a rebound I don't expect that but I think he's better than this he'll be at least a okay catcher nothing great he's not going to be a top end catcher I just don't think that I think those days are gone but you should be able to at least get some production out of here especially if you play in a two catcher league yeah I'd I'd you know, just hold. He'll be better. If you're in a one-catcher yeah. league, I, I think I'd be considering cutting him, though. I think they're probably better catchers on the wire than what than what you have. Yeah, depending on who's available and stuff. And the, Yes. I know we mentioned uh, this on the catcher podcast. It's been a while, but the day that guy loses catcher eligibility, it's over. Like, that's it. It's, yep. Joe, it's Joe Maurer all over again as far as that goes. So probably, I mean, because at least when Joe Maurer went to first base, those first few years, he was still hitting 300 with 10 home runs. So it's actually even worse. Yeah. I mean, I still wouldn't be surprised if he did something like that, but that's really not at first base. That's nothing. You know, it's just, it's just not exciting at all. All right. This one hurts. The next one, Danny Jansen hitting 143 with the exact same home runs, run scored, and RBI totals that Posey has in 42 at bats. I think I said before the year he'd be a finish in our bold predictions that he'd be a top three catcher, and that's not off to a good start. Andrew, what's your score for Jansen? Panicometer. Um, probably like a four or five. I'm not. 
not that worried yet. Uh, the the main the main thing I think to be worried about with him would be just the playing time. But it's not like they have another option that's that good. But some sometimes with some of these young guys that aren't proven, they get the cord cut on them quicker than you want them to. And you know, I, I hope that doesn't happen with him. And I'm not saying it will or thinking it will, but. Sometimes it just happens when I don't think, you know, you don't think it will. So that's my main concern. I, I think he'll get out of it and be fine, though. I agree. I think I, I had him as a four. So, again, we're in the same boat. All right, Francisco Mejia, who going into the year was supposed to split time with Austin Hedges. And Mejia is supposed to be the better bat of the two of them, but he has not been that so far. 160 batting average with one run and one RBI with zero home runs. He does only have 25 at bats, which also means he's not getting much playing time. Some people were buying him thinking, you know what? This guy's going to hit and he may overtake me or Austin Hedges and get that job, but doesn't look like it's heading that way. Andrew, how worried should owner his owners be? Um, I would put this one like an eight or a nine. I, just because of, and I know we mentioned this before too, but Hedges is the better catcher. And yeah, I guess, you know, Mejia is the better hitter, but he's not hitting, you know, teams value defense, obviously, from that position. So yeah, I, I am, uh, the time to sell Mejia was a while ago, and I'm glad I did it. I, I just don't want anything to do with him right now. If, if, if I'm wrong eventually, I'm wrong, but I haven't regretted it in the last. I think I moved him about a year ago where I had him, and I just haven't regretted it. That's Once again, same score. I had him as, as an eight. <laughs> All right, moving on to first base. The biggest disappointment so far has to be Brewers' Jesus Aguilar in 46 at-bats. He's got a 152 batting average, zero home runs, five RBI, and four runs scored. Not quite what owners were looking for and hoping for with drafting him on his coming off of that big, huge season last year. How are, how worried would you be if you owned Aguilar, Andrew? Uh, fairly worried. The good thing is, is he is walking. Uh, obviously, small sample. All these are small samples. We know that. Uh, I'd be fairly worried, though, just just because... The Brewers are obviously a good team, and there's no option to DH him. He can't play any position on the entire field but first base. And if he isn't hitting, like if he keeps doing this, he could be on the bench. I mean, they have other guys that can play first base. They could move Moustakis over there. They could move Shaw over there and put someone else in the position they're at now. So, yeah, he's going to need to pick it up for sure. You know, you just said something I I I hadn't even thought about. I don't think I put a number. I would say eight. Yeah, I had seven to eight, and you just said something I hadn't even thought about in terms of, I've thought about if he struggled, Eric Thames moving over into that spot, but Thames hasn't been that great either. And right hearing you talk just – Reminded me, Travis Shaw does have experience at first base. You could put Moustakis back at third base, and who does that open up for second base? 
Right. Castanera. Yeah. Which I'm not I'm not suggesting that they would do that right now, but you know as well as I do, a team as good as Milwaukee is only going to put up with this for so long. They just are. They're not going to yeah. just – he's not just going to sit there and not be hitting all year out of the first base position and stay and keep getting at bats forever. It won't happen. Yeah. I think he's got about another month before I think they'd start considering something like that yeah. as long yeah. as everybody stays healthy. But Aguilar wasn't the starter at this point last year. I think right. it took a Thames injury. Maybe it was right at this point last year, but it took a Thames injury and in him to just come up and start hitting out of his mind. If any of those three infielders got injured, I think here is up right at that point. If it's Aguilar, Mostakis, or um, Shaw, any of those get hurt, I think here is up immediately. And if that's the case and he comes up and he's raking, it doesn't. it might already be too late then. The other thing, too is he cost more than these guys we've mentioned before that yeah before this coming into the year so i guess you know the worry level you could maybe even bump it up to a 9 i mean it's yeah. cuz it's got to happen soon here i feel like you're right he's definitely the most expensive so far we don't have too many that i'll mention that are more expensive than he was next up is miguel cabrera he had a real big spring, but it's not carried over into the major regular season yet. A 259 batting average, zero home runs, three runs, and an R- and one RBI. Not good. What's your score, Andrew? Probably like a five or a six. My main concern with Cabrera would just be staying out, staying on the field, and the you know the lineup around him just isn't good, but. Yeah, probably a five or a six. I'm not real worried yet. It's it's more about the health with him than anything to me. He's still he's another guy. He's still walking too, and you know, just kind of see what happens. But I'm more I'm more on on the lines with him of thinking how much of the season is he going to actually be out there. That's the problem. You got two things to worry about: a terrible lineup around him and health. And I think for those two reasons combined, I've got him at a seven or an eight. I did see his, I hadn't watched much Tigers baseball this year. And I watched him yesterday. I think he was up against Joe Musgrove and I watched him absolutely crush a double out into the deep part of Detroit. It was nice to see. But when I looked up his batting stats while I was going through this, they weren't so nice. That's too bad because Miguel Cabrera has been a amazing hitter for the last 15 years. That's that's another lineup that is just awful. Like yeah, it's just it's, bad. It's sad. And Detroit had those those years where they went for it, and Dombrowski gave anything and everything away to try to go for it, and they made it to a World Series. Unfortunately, Pablo Sandoval had to hit three home runs in one game against Justin Verlander, <laughs> and they just never won that championship which it was that's what makes this more depressing if they had won one during that stretch it probably wouldn't hurt so bad right now but this has got to hurt for tiger fans all right andrew what about your boy jake bowers you were big on him going into the year and you sold me on on him for good reason i was sold in i didn't get any shares anywhere but i definitely loved your logic on him and it's been a struggle so far 191 batting average one home run one stolen base or seven runs and five runs batted in. I know you got shares of them. How worried are you, Andrew? 
Not worried. I'd say a two or a three. Uh, I think he'll be fine. Their their offense is bad enough, and they're a good enough team. They cut. They need him. Um, he homered today, right before we started recording to dead center. So I don't know. I I still feel good about him. It's early. He's not. He's walking. He's not striking out a lot. I think he'll be fine. Yeah, I'm looking at his Fangraphs page right now. He's only struck out six less than 16 percent of the time right now, and he's walking 12 percent. And a 225 batting average on balls in play. And he may be a low Babbitt guy. It was 252 last year. That just may be his thing, being a lefty. I didn't look yet, but I bet he hits it into the shift quite a bit. But that should improve. And, yeah, I think I'd be looking at this guy as a buying opportunity if somebody was seeing those underlying stats and was worried. A 5% home run to fly ball rate right now. Small sample, but it's like, you know, he's got a couple hits tonight. It's like, what are the, what are the Indians going to put in for Jake Bowers? Yeah. Like what they, I mean, they've got Carlos Gonzalez, Tyler Naquin, Leonis Martin, Greg Allen, Mike Freeman. I mean, the lineup is garbage. It's just that Bowers is one of their best hitters as bad as he's been. So I don't think he's going anywhere and I think he'll be fine. You know, Looking at his spray charts right now, he's hit the ball opposite field more than he's hit it pull so far this year, which makes that BABIP even more surprising. Now, his hard hit rate's not that high, only 24%, a whole lot of medium contact, so maybe that's part of it too. But, man, he's he's spraying the ball all over the place. And it wasn't that way last year. It was a 51% pull rate, rate with only 18% oppo. So maybe this is just a... A little bit of a small sample size here, but man, that's interesting. And to give you a score, I haven't said it yet. I'd put it at a four. Also, looking at all this, I like you said, there's nobody really to take at bats from him unless somebody gets real hot. And I think he'll ride it faster than anybody else. Yeah. Next up, second base, the new Oakland second baseman Jerks and Profar has gotten off to a slow start with a 191 batting average, two home runs, and three steals. With eight runs and nine RBI, those numbers were worse a week ago, and he's had a much better run in the past week. Is he getting out of the woods, or is there still reason for concern here? That's the question. Andrew, how would you rate him? No, I wouldn't be concerned yet. I'd, I'd have him around where I have Bowers, two or three. I think he's fine. I think his role is fairly secure. Just early season, slight struggle, but he'll be all right. Yeah. I put a three or four. Same boat. All right, now we'll move on to a veteran who has been around a while. Robbie Cano, 36-year-old Robbie Cano, isn't having the best start in New York with the Mets. 185 batting average, two home runs through 15 games. He Is the decline starting here? That's the question. How worried are you, Andrew? Um, I would say about where I, these last couple, no, I'm, I'm not worried about him yet. There's, it, I need way more sample of Robinson Cano in a decline than 75 plate appearances in April. Like I'm not worried about him at all. I've watched, I've watched a good amount of his at bats. I feel like I've watched the Mets more than the average team so far. And, um, he looks he looks fine. I, I think he'll ride the ship and be regular Robbie Cano. Yeah, 
you know, he's had a lot more fly balls in this small sample. I was looking at his hard hit rate. That all looks good. It's. I think again, he's he's such a good hitter that I I think it would almost have to be like July or August before I'm like Robbie Cano is really declining. Like it's gonna it's just gonna take a while. Is all. I'm I'm not gonna overreact to you know little bits. You know, if this was the middle of the season and he was doing this, we probably wouldn't even notice. Yeah. So. He hasn't had a strikeout rate above 16% in his career, and it's at 24% so far. Again, we're talking 16 games. I Just because of his age, I probably wouldn't be saying any of this if he was about five years younger, but because of his age, I'm going to put it a little higher at like a four, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if a week from now he's torn the cover of the ball is the major National League Player of the Week, and I'm like, well, that was dumb. Yeah, that uh, that lineup looks better these days. Yeah, that it does. Mets, I mean, McNeil's hitting some. Alonzo's tearing the cover off the ball. Conforto's playing good. And that lineup, it's not like the Mets of the last few years where you're just like, start every pitcher against them and don't blink. Because, I mean, you're... You're still starting some guys against them, obviously, but they're not like a walk in the park like they once were. No, it's a completely different team. I mean, yeah. also my boy JD Davis is hitting well. I think his OBP is still hovering near 400 right now. Yeah. All right. Now we discuss Garrett Hampson. I think the guy we've talked about the most on this podcast since we started up. 176 batting average. This is all going into yesterday, and I specify that because he had a big game yesterday. 176 batting average, no home runs or steals, four runs and two RBI. And then on Tuesday, he had himself a combo meal, which for those of you who don't know what that means, that means in a single game he had a home run plus a steal. That was a saying that was come up with on the Fantasy Focus podcast years ago when Barry and Nate Ravitz had that together. Either way, we both gushed about him all spring, and before Tuesday night, it sure looked like we had egg on our face right now. Andrew, with the big game last night, does that change your worry meter? Where are you on him now? He's he's slowly been getting better this past week, you know, hitting a little bit more, and um, obviously the big game yesterday. I feel like we're maybe not quite out of the woods, but we're getting there. It's... I was starting to get a little, like, not worried about him, but just knowing the Rockies and, like, sometimes these teams just having quick trigger fingers on guys. I was starting to worry a little bit about that more than I was about him. I I figured he can get out of it, you know, and I think that's kind of what we're seeing. I'm not worried. I mean, as far as just him, I would put it at, like, a one, but – you know, the the element of the Rockies still doing something crazy. I guess you could put it at a three or a four maybe. But overall, I'm not worried. I got him at a five. Just It was higher, but now I'm moving it down to five just because, again, the Rockies are so impatient with youngsters. And his underlying stats don't look great in terms of the 27% strikeout rate and a 3% walk rate. I That's not... That doesn't line up with what he's done so far. I hope it. I hope yeah, he it's... continues writing it over the next month. He's got about a month right now before Murphy, I think, should be back. I think they're talking about that. But, McMahon, I think he's playing in extended spring games 
And that's one slot in the infield that they'll be filling up. We both have shares. I hope he turns it around over this next month, but I'll put it at a five just because of Colorado. Yeah, they, they've got they've got a homestand here coming up too. I, I feel like let him play, you know. I, I just I don't know. I think he'll be fine. I mean it's Coors hasn't been the Rockies just haven't been the Rockies yet. Like they're not hitting, they're all not hitting. I think they're the lowest uh yeah, yeah, I did say today I saw mm-hmm. that they're they're the low they have two this two today, up through today. They have the fewest number of runs scored at home in the majors this year. Now, granted, they've only played, I think it's like five home games. And they, there's a few teams that were tied with the few. You know, they've got a low number of home games compared to everyone else. But I was still shocked to see that. Like, it's just, um, it's, it's not going to, I'm not worried about that. Like, they're going to take off at cores. They always do. And the way Hampson's trended the last few days is a positive. Hopefully he can build on it when they go home. And if he keeps doing what he's done, you know, the last few days, you know, it, it just buys him more time. So the good news is they're playing them at, in the two hole right now. And I, I know they're hurting for options for the top of the lineup, but all it takes is a real hot homestand here. And then they'll forget uh, this will all be forgotten about. Yeah, and I think Time? he started. I think he started against in the two hole against a righty yesterday, which, mm-hmm. is, which is even better. Time for shortstops. What about Jose Peraza? One sixty-seven batting average, one home run, one steal, five runs, and one RBI. I know you have him in. I think Roto Masters one, Andrew. What's your panicometer rating here? Uh, yeah, I've got him in Roto Masters two. Um, I would say kind of in the middle like a five not uh not crazy but he's never been a guy that walks strike striking out a lot he actually hasn't walked yet this season i just saw that if you can believe it um yeah kind of in the middle i i feel like if they are i don't know do you know are they planning on playing senzel in the infield when he when he comes up He's an outfielder. Was, uh, I think outfielder, they've been pretty right. certain yeah. about him in the outfield. Yeah, I was only thinking that. I couldn't remember the most recent. Uh, I know that they have him listed at second, but I think he had played mm-hmm. there. I think he had played there some, but so yeah, I guess that wouldn't impact it. But just something to keep an eye on. A guy that doesn't. I mean, he's just he hasn't really been that great of a hitter to this point. You know, in the last the last few years, so. Well, just something to watch, but I'm not totally freaking out about it either. <laughs> I have him at a one. I'm not worried at all, even with the no walks and the strikeout rate is at 26%. But he has such a sample size before that of being in the 10 to uh, 11 to 13% range in the major leagues for three the per three previous seasons that I just don't think. How old is he? I know he's still pretty young, 20, 24 years old. I'm not worried about him. I think I would definitely be buying if anybody was more panicked than me. Maybe them wondering if Senzel's coming to the infield because he's listed at second base. Maybe somebody is worried about that, but I'd be buying a 189 Babip so far. And he's just had a lot of bad luck. I'm I'm buying. Yeah, the other, the good thing is with him is 
as we know and as we've said a hundred times, the Reds are terrible. So yes, they are. <laughs> that's not. Uh, they probably will just let him let him run. So yes, they will. All right, I decided to put Marwin Gonzalez here at shortstop. I could have put him in any position. 147 batting average, zero home runs or steals, five runs, two RBIs, and 34 at-bats. He was taken for his versatility, but no matter where he's being started right now, he's not giving owners anything. What's your worry meter? I can't even put a number on this guy because I just – I never had any expectations to begin with. I – I can't even put a number on it, honestly. I think he's had bad luck. I honestly think he'll be fine. He's nothing special, but I think he is what he usually is, 250, 260 hitter. I mean, that 303 batting average in 2017, that was a big outlier. There was a lot going into last year that said that that was a fluke, and sure enough, he hit 247 last year, and I think his batting average will still get back up to that range, and he'll be a very ordinary vanilla guy who plays a bunch of positions. That's the thing is, like, as far as, like, where to put it as far as being worried, like, I just don't know how you can be worried about Marwin Gonzalez. Like, if you're depending on that guy, you're cooked to begin with. (laughs) It's just, you know, it's, it's just like you're in trouble right off the bat if you're depending on him, so. That's just he, kind of how I view it. With how many injuries there have been, I'm sure there are people who drafted him hoping that he'd be that flexible guy to fill yeah. holes with injuries. And sure. He's hurting them right now. Yeah, no, I get that. And I get that the, his main appeal is that positional versatility. I'm just saying, like, as far as statistics go, I mean, I don't know exactly what you what you were hoping for. But, of course, he'll probably be better than this. Yeah. I know this is a guy we both have shares of. Corey Seager only hitting 222. He does have 10 home runs, or not two home runs, 10 runs, and six RBI. I'm not that worried, Andrew. Where are you, what's your number? Zero. Um, <laughs> Wait, it's yeah. one to 10. <laughs> yeah. I, I, until you sent me these show notes, I actually, and I own him on at least a couple teams. I, uh, I didn't even notice. I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not remotely worried. Awesome offense. He's hitting at the top. He still has a three three fifty nine OBP in this small sample that he's not been good. So, is what it is. I'm not worried about him. I got another one. Also, not worried. All right, time to go to the hot corner. Travis Shaw was one that stuck out to me when I was looking at third baseman. One seventy three batting average, one home run. Three runs and five RBI. Pretty ugly so far for Mr. Shaw. What do you think, Andrew? Uh, I mean, it's it's kind of tough because of kind of what I said with Aguilar. It's like on a team like this, you'd think you'd have to hit. He's been striking out a ton. Yeah. Uh, I would probably say like a four or five. I'm not. That worried, but it's something to just keep an eye on. Yeah, he's a 29-year-old who I don't never really thought his skills were incredibly great. He's had a really nice run the last couple of years, but I could see this being a guy who it gets away from quickly when he starts slipping to where maybe this is it. And just like Aguilar, all it takes is one injury. He's still struggling. Here it comes up and is raking, and he could be the 
guy on the bench for them. So I got him at a five, six. That's the range I put him at. Yeah, I guess the reason I'm, I, I would say I'm less worried about him than Aguilar just because, for one, he's a left-handed bat, and usually you just give the edge to the left-handed bat. And there's a little bit more of a sample of Shaw. You know, like he's, he's hit 30 home runs the last two years. So, I mean, there's a little more of that than there is with Aguilar. It's it's almost kind of like Aguilar's like a DH in a league that doesn't have it. So that's I guess that's why I'm more worried about him than Shaw. I agree with everything Shaw you said has, there. Shaw has more positional versatility too, so they can play him in different spots, and it's just <laughs> more more likely to leave him in the lineup. I feel like than Aguilar. If something happened to Arcia, he may be playing shortstop for them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no kidding. I still laugh when I see Mustache. See Mustakis at second base. I saw the other day. I was just like, "What in the world?" Comical. It's hilarious, but they're doing good. So it's like it's hard to really knock. You know, it's hard to knock. It's just crazy. They're they're going the opposite route of most other teams in today's game right now. Yeah. Rafael Devers came in to camp in great shape this year and seemed primed for a breakout. And so far, that isn't happening. 254 batting average, zero home runs, 10 runs scored, but only two RBI. He does at least have one steal, though. Andrew, we said before the year that we'd be, we wouldn't be surprised if he broke out or continued on from last year. We could easily see it going either way, and so far it's been more of the latter. Um, the good I see when I'm digging into him, because I own him on my dynasty team, so I pay pretty close attention to him. His walks are up at over 11% in the small rate. His strikeouts are incredibly low, but the really scary part, when you look at his ground ball rate, it's almost 60% so far in the early going, and he's only put 16% of the balls in the air, and that is not a good recipe for success. Yeah, I'm uh, overall not extremely worried, but I was kind of just middling on him coming into the year, too. I'm willing to give him a little more time, you know, to see what he's got. It's a couple hits tonight, and he actually stole a base, believe it or not. So, you know, hopefully things swing in the the right direction for him. I've always kind of liked Devers. He just hasn't uh, hasn't quite lived up to the billing yet. But Now, I know you listened to the Prospect 361 podcast. Tim McLeod, who was on with us last week, is – the co-host, and you know the board bet or the steak and liquor bet they have on Devers? Yeah, the steals. <laughs> yeah, so, I was I was actually uh, finishing up the podcast from Sunday this morning, and they were talking. Talk- yeah, they were talking about that. Yeah, uh, that'll probably get mentioned again this Sunday or whenever yeah, they he record stole, next together. He, he stole a base tonight. So how many? How many is that? Is that his second or two? His- yeah. So, yeah, yeah, and their bet for those who don't listen to that show often, but is over under five. Five, yeah, yeah. Five. Tim's gonna win that bet. Tim has over. Yeah, Tim has the over. <laughs> it's a That's push the... if it's actually he has to steal six for Tim to win. If he it's... steals five, Rich wins. That's like the funniest. That's the funniest bet I've ever heard. That's hilarious. <laughs> it was a sucker bet. I was with Tim right when he made it, just because of the weight loss, and he stole some bags last year. I'm like, this is that's a great bet. Tim's got that one as long as he 
stays healthy. Okay. Yeah. Let's move on to Chris Bryant. You're one of your Cubs, Andrew. I was higher on him than you going into the year, and it's not been a super start. 236 batting average, one home run, one steal, 10 runs, six RBI. Should his owners feel worried? Uh, I think, I think a little bit. Yeah. I, I've kind of said this with Brian. I, I just don't feel like he's the player that he was. It's just when he first came up, it was, everything was perfect. You know, rookie of the year, MVP world series. And he was, don't, it was almost like bordering on the face of baseball. I mean, he was right there with, and it's just like, eh, it's just kind of gone backwards since. And yeah, I would be, if I owned him, I would be worried some, I, I don't think that it'll, uh, I mean, he's not going to hit 217 all year. But his BABIP is reasonable. I, I don't know. I, I'm sure things will get a little bit better. But I don't. If people are expecting like peak Chris Bryant MVP to return, man, I hope they're right. And I swear I will be the in the front of the line cheering. But I, I don't really see that. I really don't. And I did before the year. I thought he'd return to being maybe not peak, but 30 home run range. And yeah, this, this seems worrisome and, you know, who knows, Anthony Rizzo went the entire month of April without a home run. If I recall, he could always turn it on, but I'd be worried at this point His hard hit rates are not looking great. His ground balls are up, fly balls are down, not really much to look at and be excited about. I mean, his 217 batting average comes with a 279 BABIP and while that's low, it's not like egregiously low to where there could be improvement, but it doesn't, this doesn't look like a guy who's a superstar who's having terrible luck. It looks more like a player who's more ordinary, who's having pad luck. And that's not what people were drafting him for. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just a lot of it's gone a little bit backwards with him and it's disappointing. I mean, he's still, he's still a good player. I feel like he's viewed as a great player to, you know, maybe even to some people, a superstar. And I just don't think he is that. I, it's tough. It sucks. I, I wish he would get back to what he was because he was great. You know, that's a guy who has turned down the idea of signing a big extension with the Cubs. With the way his career is going, he, I'm sure he's got pride and he's wanting to bet on himself anyways. But that's a guy who I may have given some consideration over the last year or two to actually signing a deal with them. Cause I think they still would pay him a boatload. Maybe not right now. I, I don't know. I think they'd still pay him quite a bit and he may be a guy who would be best for, because if he continues on this path, he has free agency in a few years, putting up ordinary numbers for four or five years. And he's a guy who's pushing 30. He's not going to get the money. He was originally thinking he'd get three or four years ago. Here's a, here's some uh, numbers for you on his fly ball percentage. 2000 so Chris Bryant fly ball percentage okay 2016 45.8 2017 42.4 2018 40.7 2019 granted small sample 34.1 
So it's just dropping. And obviously, and the ground, you know, ground ball is going up this year a little bit. I know it's a small sample, but it's just, uh, you know, you, you got to hit the ball in the air. It's, it just hasn't been great. Now, and last year he was hurt. This year is a small sample so far, but hearing those numbers makes me think he had that shoulder deal last year and rest and rehab rested it all off season. They said that's what that should get him right. And the same thing was said about Bryce Harper in 2016. He came back and destroyed the ball in 2017. But I wonder if there maybe something still going on with that shoulder. And that's part of the thing here. And maybe if that is the case, it would be best for him to get that taken care of this off season. Yeah, for sure. I hope. I hope he does. Believe me, it, it would be huge for the Cubs if he if he was back in the two hole where he is now, hitting like he was two or three years ago. It would be unbelievable for that for them. Unbelievable. It would just help so much. All right, outfielders are next. Charlie Blackman with the Rockies off to a rough start. 221 batting average, zero home runs, one steal, six runs, and five RBI in 68 plate appearances. It's the second consecutive season. He's had a slow start. I, this one's even uglier than last year, though. Andrew, on a scale of 1 to 10, how worried would you be if you owned Blackman? 32 years old now. Uh, about a 3. There's just a lot of sample with him. where, And he's... Like I said, the Rockies just haven't gotten going as a whole. Like let's let's get some cores games in before mm-hmm. we start before we start worrying about these Rockies. I, I'm just I'm not worried about them yet. I'm just not. I remember when he was playing at an MVP level a few years ago. That's why people were saying he wasn't an MVP, as his numbers away from cores were pretty ordinary. And most yeah. of his games have been away from cores so far, and some of them right. a lot. San Francisco and. Well, that's the yeah. thing with a lot of these guys on the Rockies. If they weren't, if they weren't playing, in, if they weren't hitting in cores, you wouldn't like them as much. But they are, and they haven't been yet this year, really. I mean, they, like I said, they played five games there. So, I, I think Blackman has earned the right to get a little more time before we start acting like he's completely fallen off the cliff. Is there a chance? Of course, there's a chance. He's 32, like you said. He's aging some, but I'm not ready to say it yet. You've convinced me here. I hadn't thought about the whole having played in Colorado much. It's a real good point in terms of this may be the right time to be trying to buy him right now. Yeah, a, I, I, don't the think the Rock, I don't think the Rockies offense. I, the, the numbers for the Rockies offense have been so bad, and I don't think their offense is bad at all. I think their offense is pretty good. They just, you know, they just need a few things to correct, but Nolan's getting going. Like we said with Hampson, he's, you know, slowly getting going. Story's going to be fine. I think Blackman's going to be fine. Murphy comes back, Dahl, you know, hopefully. And, you know, then all of a sudden it could be great again. I'm, I'm not worried about their offense yet. I'm just not. Well, what about Yasiel Puig? He's off to a slow start, even though he homered off Kershaw on Monday night. 191 batting average, two home runs, one steal, two runs, eight RBI. Andrew, I what's Puig's panical meter at? Uh, kind of in the middle, like four or five. I, I wouldn't worry too much if I if I invested in him before the season. I think it's early to be to be worried about him. But 
I only have an eyebrow raised because I didn't invest in him. I I think that he's going to lose it on this team. I really do. And he kind of already did in that Pirates game. It was making me laugh. But I heard about that. I never yeah, he did came, see he it, came, but I heard about it. He came off the bench during that whole uh, Dietrich-Archer fiasco and got in the middle of all you know, everything. It, it's just, it was just a mess, but it is what it is. He'll, he'll turn around like as far as his stats go. I mean, he's gonna, he's gonna turn it around somewhat, but I just think that the reds, the, the way that the reds are trending, it's, it's going to be ugly late in the year. I said it before the year and I'm, I'm definitely sticking to that. And that's not good because right now is the point where he should be performing. Then if it goes ugly late, in the right. year, they're bad because his strikeout rate's at 26% and his walk rate's under 4% right now. Not a good start. He's got some home runs and stolen bases chipped in, but I wouldn't be surprised if he does has one of those rough batting average, some home runs and stolen bases chipped in, and just a rough year when you're looking at it at the end of the year. And I know this one's going to hurt, and I'm sorry, Andrew. One of the worst outfielders and probably regular major leaguers this year who's had playing time is Cedric Mullins with Baltimore. He started the year at leadoff, but now is spending a lot of time in the nine hole due to a 111 batting average, zero home runs or steals, and 11 runs plus RBIs combined. I'm personally worried he may not even start much longer. Andrew, where's, where, are you, where are your thoughts on him? You know what? It, it really doesn't hurt as bad as you think. Like I, I liked him as a cheap outfielder, but it is what it is. I, as far as how worried I am, it's close to a ten, though. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't. Uh, he, there's no track record, so you know you're just banking on the playing time, and you know he's shown a little bit of pop, pop and speed in the minors, and. All that, you know, and the inst- the the feeling the whole the whole time was it's Baltimore. He's going to play, and he's probably going to lead off. And not that that's great in Baltimore, but um, it's better than hitting at the bottom of the order. And now all of a sudden he's hitting nine, and you start thinking a few more days of being bad, and he may be in the minors. I I have done a one eighty on him. I mean, I I don't have any faith right now. He's He's got to get it going, and I, I just don't feel like that the environment on that team is conducive to him getting going right now. I I don't really have much faith. I haven't looked to see what Yusniel Diaz is doing in the minors so far this year, but I could easily see those two being flipped at some point in the next month or two if things don't get any better for Mullins. Probably not even a month. That could be in a week. Yeah, would, wouldn't shock me at all. I haven't seen what Diaz has done either, but wouldn't shock me. All right, let's move on to starting pitchers. And you Darvish has had a rough start for the Cubs. In 17 innings, he has a 6 ERA with a 1.75 whip because of 15 walks in those 17 innings. He was better against the Marlins the last time out, but it was the Marlins. Hopefully that means he's coming out of, get out of it, but... You just don't know. It's hard to really give any credence to any good start against the Marlins because it seems like they're just terrible. Andrew, you're the residing Cubs fan. How worried are you about Darvish? He's just been wild. Like, I I would say probably like a six. 
Um, it's been a while since you Darvish has been good. It's been a while. Uh, you know, I feel like this year you probably invested in him as like uh, SP four or so, roughly. I know the one I have him in one league, and uh, he's like he was like my four, and it hasn't been great, obviously. But you know, it's four starts. I think it could correct, but he has been really wild. It's just it's kind of. It's kind of tough to gauge beyond that. Yeah, you know, and yeah, it's hard. And yeah, it's hard to judge against the Marlins. I mean, it's you got to start pitching good against some better teams. We were before the year saying it's all about health with him. If he's healthy, if he's on the mound, we're buying. It's just how much can he stay healthy? And maybe he's not healthy right now. But the bottom line is, he's on the mound and he's horrible at the moment, which yeah. is not what we were expecting. All right. Uh, Zach Wheeler, he had a great year last year, especially in the second half, and it did not carry over into the early part of this year. 7.47 ERA with 11 walks and 15 innings. And I think I said about him in the preseason, what surprised me with last year was his low walk total because he had been so wild before he had all these injuries. And I don't know right now. Maybe that's the aberration. Maybe he really is a wild guy, but... Maybe he's just off to a bad start. Andrew, how worried would you be if you owned Wheeler? Uh, I'd be concerned. I'd probably put him at a five or a six. I wasn't really in on Wheeler at the price he was going this year. I just thought it was a bit overboard uh, just with all of his injuries. And there's just, it just seems like there's been issues with him for so long. I, I did kind of like him early on, but it was just like he was always banged up and he was always kind of cheap because of it, you know, mm-hmm. and this, and this year he wasn't cheap. So it's, it's tough, but yeah, I'd be, I'd be fairly worried if I was, um, counting on him as like a SP two, which yeah. is around, he was like a back end SP two and he was in the low 15, 20s. And NFC yeah. data, which means he was like a that was a mid range SP2. When I say low 20s, I mean like 20 to 22, I think was his range because you and I were talking about how many guys below him we would rather have than him. And I don't think we were seeing this right here, but this is why we were worried. He had the health risk and he just came off of a peak season that he had not shown before. Yeah. It's not been good. Uh, Carlos Carrasco has been dreadful so far. Thirteen innings and four start. Thirteen innings and four starts. A nine point six nine ERA, two point oh seven WHIP. But in those thirteen innings, he had twenty three strikeouts and only four walks. So it was kind of feeling like he had some bad luck here. Yeah, he had that start the other day. I think it was his last start where he gave up like six in a third of an inning, and I think he got yanked. So yeah, it's just I, I'm not real. No, I'm not really worried about Carrasco. I mean, there's a lot of uh, proven track record there, and he pitched phenomenal tonight. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I was actually pulling it up. Yeah, seven innings, shutout, twelve Ks. Ooh, so yeah, that'll fix things. And that was in Seattle, the team that hit a home run 
in every game, didn't score today. So, uh, yeah, that <laughs> kind of tells you what I think of Carrasco. But good he's for fine. him. Good for him. Because it did seem like bad luck here. And my panic meter wasn't that high, but that makes anybody feel a lot better. Yeah. And somebody else who started today and did not have quite the same luck is Corbin Burns. Got off to a, He's been off to a terrible start. He's had four starts now, 17 innings. He's had more runs allowed than innings pitched with a 10 ERA and a 2.15 whip. And after another disaster start this afternoon, now his next turn in the rotation isn't guaranteed. As their manager saying, they're going to have to think long and hard about whether to give him another start. This sure doesn't look good. Andrew, I have a dynasty and a redraft share. How nervous should I be right now? Uh, pretty nervous, but depending, it also depends on how much you're actually counting on him. Like a guy like that, it's not like you drafted him in the fourth round or something. So the impact of him being bad shouldn't be totally killing you. Uh, I tell you what, for as good as the Brewers are, and they are really good and I respect them and all that. Their starting pitching is just a muddled disaster, isn't it? I mean, Fred, it's a mess. Fred, Freddie Peralta was in the rotation. Now he's on the IL. I know that. Um, not not that he's great, but you know he's just a young kind of or a young arm that some people have been excited about. Um, I mean, they've got Shasin, Woodruff, Davies. I mean. It's uh, it's pretty messy. I so that is the argument for Burns staying in there, but I don't know how much more they can put up with him just getting mm. completely smoked either. So I don't remember if I made this comp last week. I think we talked about Burns. This reminds me a lot of Jose Barrios. Did I say that last week? Um, I don't remember that. Okay, well then I probably didn't. Uh, but. Here, here's my thought process. Two years ago, Berrios came up, didn't walk many guys, had nasty stuff, and he was getting too much of the plate, locating, and people were just crushing the ball off of him. And I think that's kind of what's going on here with Burns when I watch his starts. They're just absolutely lighting him up, and a lot of the times it's him just giving fat ones over the plate because he just doesn't give in and walk guys. I think... Personally, it would do him some good to go back down to AAA. What scares me is it's Colorado Springs, which is not the best part place to go to pitch, get yourself right pitching in the PCL. But I'm a buyer in terms of dynasty leagues. I'm still a believer, but I am really worried about this year. I think he's either going to the bullpen or he's going to the minors. And who knows? He's just. He's a really good pitcher, and I still believe in him as a starter long-term. I just don't think it's going to be this year. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can see it. And I don't think, like I said, I don't think they're going to put up with a whole lot more of him just getting smoked in the rotation. I, I just don't think they can. No, they're contending. They can't. They need to be looking and making a trade here in the near future for, I don't know, bring Wade Miley in. <laughs> Yeah, they can't sign him. He's with Houston, but they'll go get someone like that here soon, which take that for whatever you want. Okay. Um, Nick Pavetta, we're going to add your boy here. 
It's been a rough start for him. He's getting hit hard. Going into Tuesday, he had allowed 24 hits in 13 innings, leading to a 9.4 ERA. Five walks isn't great, but wasn't horrible with those 13 innings. The good thing was the strikeouts were still there with 14 strikeouts. Then last night happened. He was staked to a huge lead after the Phillies just demolished Steven Matz. I think they had eight runs before they, he even got an out. Actually, he never got an out. They pulled him after a Franco three-run homer. Pavetta had that huge lead, and he still labored to get through five innings in what should have been a stress-free game with three runs allowed. And then on Wednesday afternoon, he was sent down to the minors in a surprising move, and Jared Eikhoff, it looks like he's going to be taking a spot in the rotation. Andrew, I know what, without asking, you've seen a lot of him so far this year. So my first question is, in those starts, because I haven't seen a pitch thrown by him yet, what have you seen? Uh, He's just getting hit. I mean, he's just not missing enough bats, swinging strike rates down pretty big. I mean, again, it's four starts. It's like, you know, obviously they've sent him down now. I did hear on the Phillies broadcast today that they were just saying they, they want him to go down and just build up some confidence, just get some confidence back up, you know, pitch against guys that he knows he can dominate and whatever, you know. So we'll see what happens as far as that goes. Um, it, it It is disappointing for sure. I, I If you would have told me before this season that he'd be in the minors after four starts, I would have been absolutely floored. I'd have taken any bet on that that anyone wanted. So it, it's pretty shocking and disappointing. Um, but that said, I mean, most of my teams, he's like a 3-4 guy, so – you just uh, you just try and patch it, you know, because there's pitching that you can find to to fill in, and you just you just do the best you can with it. But he definitely has not looked good, and I, I always try and find the positive in everything. And I tell you what, he he was pitching in cores on Sunday, and I was looking at that, and I was like, oh my god, that's the last thing he needs right now. <laughs> like just for how he's been doing, like for his, you know, just mentally and you know you just don't want a guy that is pitching that bad to go have to go into cores and just get totally smoked it it just gets even worse so i i think it's probably just a good thing that he won't have to do that and you know maybe he can build some confidence back up in the minors and hopefully be relevant later in the season i wonder if that was part of their logic they looked at that upcoming start and thought this guy's that was their like deciding factor they're looking at him and thinking, do we send him down? And then they look at the schedule and see he's starting at Coors this weekend. And it's like, yeah. all right, now's the time. Let's pull the yeah. plug because no matter what happens to Eikhoff, that's not going to hurt our the long standing of our team. But so, yeah. in a 15-team redraft league, are you holding on to him? Um, I I think so. I mean, I would I would hold on to him over, like, say, Newcomb. Like yeah. who we talked, who we talked about earlier. I know me, uh, you, and I had discussed that earlier today. We were just having a casual conversation about that, and I, I would hold on to him over Newcomb. For one, I don't think that whoever they bring in to replace Pavetta, I know they've mentioned. I, I think it's Ikoff as of right now, but these these other guys that they have as their options, I don't think that they're that good either. So. 
there's probably going to be a point where their four and five starters are struggling and Pavetta turns the corner a little bit and gets back into the rotation. I, I don't think that that'll probably take too long. Uh, what I would base holding him or not holding him on in a 12 teamer, I would probably let him go, but it, it really just depends on who else you have that you're holding. Kind of like I said before, you know, like if you have good players, let's say, you know, minor leaguers or Kimbrel or guys that you're waiting on that you expect to produce good results when they get there and you would rather hold them than Pavetta. You only have so many bench spots. I can see, I can get, I can get cutting him. But if you have just garbage guys on your bench that you're not going to ever play and they're just sitting there because it's your bench. And I would probably, you know, I would probably try and hold them at least for a little bit. I, I'm not saying you do it forever, and I'm, but it, it just kind of depends on every, every situation is different. They're all they're all different, and I I look at each team, you know, when I when I have situations like this, and I'm like, okay, obviously I'm putting them on my bench, and then I look at my bench, and if there's a drop that needs to be made, you just evaluate it, and it's all name versus name versus name. Like that's kind of how I I do it with my my bench and. Obviously, that's where he has to be for now. As far as dropping him, it's it's really is situational. I feel like I'm with you. Twelve teamer, he's definitely a cut. I just don't. No matter what my team is, just how knowing my teams, I know that I could find guys on the waiver. I just can't hold on to him. But in a fifteen teamer, I'm holding him now. I think I'm at least looking to see what he's doing in, in the minors over the course of the next month before I'm deciding to throw him back. I just think I've got to hold on to him because I can close my eyes and see him, see this scenario. He gets right in the next month, comes back up in May or June, and he has one of those Zach Wheeler type second halves that Wheeler had, and he wins people a lot of leagues. And I think that would crush me if I cut him and then he did that for somebody else. I think I'd rather hold. I think I'd rather hold on and hope for that. It would, and I agree with you. And obviously, like that's what we hope. But the other thing is, is you hold him for that month, and he comes back up and he struggles again. I hate when I and I've done this in the past when when I hold on to a guy and hold on to him and hold on to him, and you and you never get the results you want. It's it's frustrating. Yeah, and if he came back up and was getting hit pretty early on, I think I'd be dropping him real quick. I, I yeah. think at that point I'd be like, okay, I'm done. But I think I'm willing to give him a month, month, yeah. see if see what he's doing in the minors and see if it looks like he's getting things righted down there. Yeah, I'm pretty much with you for the record. I just, you know, trying to discuss it from all angles here. It sucks having to – you're right, and I remember you saying last week, and I have the same problem, hold on, on to a guy too long because it's what your preconceived notion was on that guy. Yeah, It's tough. All right, finally, we're going to talk about Boston pitcher Chris Sale. 18 innings, he has an 8.5 ERA, so he's given up a run, almost a run for every inning pitched. He has only five walks in those 18 innings. Only eight – actually, only 14 strikeouts in those 18 innings. He was – it looked like watching his start against the Yankees last night, his velocity was back up. That's what I was hearing King Doe say on the Baseball 365 Facebook page. 
And I think that knocks my panic meter down. If he's getting his velocity back up, I'm completely disregarding that start against the Yankees because anybody can do that against that team, even with their injuries. So I think my meter is dropping hearing that his velocity went back up. I'd, or I'd probably move him down to about a three. Where are you at, Andrew? Yeah, I'm right around there, too. With Sale, the biggest thing is he's obviously extremely important to every team that he's on. So that is where, you know, your worry lies because it's different than when it's a guy like you, Darvish, that you didn't invest as much in or a guy like. I don't know, somebody else, Marwin Gonzalez or, you know, Bowers or any of these guys, Profar. I mean, Sale is a superstar, so he's obviously extremely important to your team. That part alone, just with any type of struggle or any kind of red flag, is going to make people freak out some. I'm still not really too worried. I mean... it's Chris Sale. I, I just I think he'll be fine, but you know, I feel like there's a really good chance in we're sitting here in like July and August, like laughing about the first few weeks of Chris Sale and how much people were freaked out. Don't you? Don't you kind of feel that way? I just feel like we're gonna just be laughing on it. Laughing. I completely about it. agree. That's yeah, exactly like what just, I've been thinking this whole time. Yeah, it, it's so early, and it's a, it's a few starts. And, you know, if he's hurt, I guess that's one thing. I, I mean, obviously, that changes everything. But if he's not hurt, I am just positive he's going to correct it. I'm positive he is. I'm just not one that worries too much about velocity being down in April. Sometimes it sticks. But I've seen too many times where a season starts, especially in these cold-weather cities, and a guy comes up and has a drop in velocity in their first few starts, gets hit, everybody's freaking out, and then May hits, warms up, they get things right with their mechanics, and they're great the rest of the year. I've just, sometimes it's legit, but it feels like just as much it's a good buying opportunity because they get themselves right after the month, after a month or so. And I, I feel that way here with Sale. We'll see. All right, well, that was fun. That was a good list of slow starting players, and it seems like we're all over the board with some of those guys. We're worried, and some we think will bounce back. But, Andrew, I did want to give you the floor here. I've been saying a lot that you watch a lot of baseball, and you see guys that are off to hot starts, or maybe you see something that you're a little more worried about, which we've talked about a lot of those here. And I know you've got somebody you've been wanting to talk about that you've been seeing, and you think – you're seeing some differences, and why don't you talk about that player now? And I'm talking about Tyler Glasnow with the Rays. What have you been seeing when you've been watching his starts? Yeah, I have uh, I have one share of Glasnow. I got him right at the end before, uh, I think it was my last draft, the day before the season. And I've just been, you know, kind of watching him because he's obviously uh, an interesting guy. I mean, he's so... He's like 6'8", and he's this uber prospect that has struggled. And, you know, so it's just kind of like you're curious. And uh, I tell you what, man, he just looks nasty. Like, he looks so good. His breaking stuff 
is just making everybody miss. He's hitting like 97, 98 routinely and just dominant. I watched parts of the start against the Giants, which I guess anybody could dominate against them. <laughs> and uh, I forget who the other one was against. I know he faced, uh, I know he faced Baltimore yesterday. But there was a start in between there. Uh, the, the White Sox. It was the White Sox. And he just, he's just looked great. I mean, uh, I think for the most part, it's pretty legit. So I would be uh, even considering buying high on him right now. I, I'd be curious to see. I did have somebody ask me today, and I just wanted to kind of tie this in because we just talked about sale. Asked me if he should trade Glasnow and Tuki Toussaint for Chris Sale in a redraft league. Would you do that? In a heartbeat. In a, yeah, that's what and I told him. I, I'm, I'm with you. I do believe that Glasnow is turning the corner. I do think that it's more likely than not that he is there, but I feel more confident that Chris Sale is going to, at, at their peaks, Chris Sale is still a better pitcher right now. And yeah. That's yeah, why. I, I said I, I said I would do it, and um, I, I basically told him, and this is a guy that I respect a lot. He's a great player. I, I basically told him um, that the only way I think you regret that is if Sale is, in fact, hurt. Yes. And is, and is out for a large chunk of the season. Because if Chris Sale isn't and he pitches the whole season – like no good, good, no good matter luck. what. Yeah, good luck betting against them. That's all I'll say. That said, though, like I, I do love Glass. I just wanted to kind of mention Glass now because um, I've watched some of them, and man, it's just so he's so fun to watch. I truly like. If you haven't paid attention to him or watch him, just watch him. Just even for just a couple innings, it's it's heat and it's nasty breaking stuff. And I, I haven't watched a ton of him. I would say in the last year or two. And then this year, I've just I've watched him some, and it's it's really fun to watch, man. Especially when he's on, and he's been on. I mean, the command seems like it's coming around, and definitely figured it out. Looks really good. He's figured out where the ball's going. That was his problem. He's a tall guy who's real hard for him to repeat his delivery. And I had the same fears about Blake Snell the last few years, and last year I bought high on him in about April or May in the dynasty. And had no regrets with that deal. So I get what you're saying in terms of you may still be able to buy him at a rate because somebody may be thinking, okay, this is a good sell high. And if you got yeah. somebody who you can make a good trade, you may still be able to win it. And I, who knows? Maybe the, maybe he will outproduce sale this year if sale's not right. We don't know. And that's the hard part with him. But, you know, those yeah, tall ped- guys, if the pedigree's always been there too. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. It's It's always been like you kind of – expected and hoped it would get here and now it kind of feels like it's getting here so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does the rest of the year right I've got on that team I've got Strasburg who's he's been off to a little bit of a slow start but I'm not worried Marquez and Glass now and I tell you what it it feels like it's going to be a fun trio yeah that's incredible it, just think uh, last summer they traded Chris Archer away and they got the Rays Finally traded Chris Archer away, and the Pirates finally bought a pitcher. And they got Chris Archer, who's doing well for them. But they gave yeah. up Austin Meadows and Tyler Glass now. Yeah. 
painful. Yeah, it's tough, especially the especially the way Meadows is going too. All right, so I thought this would be a good time to talk about transactions we made in the past week, maybe over the weekend with Fab Andrew. Did you have anybody you were targeting this past weekend? No, not really. I got a few guys for like low fab bids, um, but nobody that was uh, nobody that was too crazy. No, it was just you know little little uh, bids here and there with specific needs. I did get a uh, Hunter Dozier in one of my leagues, a fifteen Ooh, nice. teamer, and he's been hot. I yeah, um, I kind of like that. Just as a, I forget what it was. It was something where I had to put in a corner infielder or something like that. But, um, yeah, he's been hot. But nothing – no, nothing too crazy last week. What about you? I had a bid in on Dozier. I can't remember if it was Rotomasters 2. I think somebody got him there. I can't remember if it was there or the auction redraft league I was in. I did have a bid. I got outbid on him. But mine's Eric Swanson, who you mentioned earlier. I really was intrigued by him reading up on him this last offseason. Had a real nice 2018 with the Yankees organization, moving all the way from A-ball to AAA during the course of the season. And as he moved up, his strikeout and walk, rate, walk rates continued being real solid with a K rate over 11 in AA and over 9 in AAA. And in those 14 starts in AAA, his walk rate was only 1.74 per nine innings. Now he's in Seattle, which is a much better ballpark to be being pitching in after that Paxton trade. He was part of it, which gives him a much better place to pitch in. His first start in the, with the Mariners minor league organization in AAA was solid with eight strikeouts and five shutout innings. And he came up and pitched out of the bullpen last weekend and after an injury to, oh, shoot, I forget who the, the oh, their lefty guy that's been around forever. I don't remember his name, but he's gonna, he pitched, moved into the rotation and pitched tonight. I grabbed him in all three of my leagues that has Wade, Fab. Wade, Le, Wade LeBlanc? Yes, that's him. I remember the Baseball America book. I don't remember the joke now, but they had a pretty funny excerpt on him in their book last year on LeBlanc. I, and I've immediately was like oh yeah the guy with the funny excerpt in his book but i couldn't remember his name but um he pitched tonight i grabbed him in all three leagues that i have fab in outside of my one draft and hold and i think he had a pretty good start tonight i haven't gone to look yet but the final score was one nothing so and they lost i've got the, the mariners lo- i've lost. got the i've got the line right here all right let's hear it. six six innings two hits no walks Ooh. One run and five Ks. All right. So and they and they lost one to nothing. So it was the Bowers solo homer. That was that was it. I guess I have an ace now in all my delete. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm kidding there, but that's a nice start. Yeah. Good to see. That means he that starts like that means they're gonna be more inclined to keep him in that rotation too. Yes. Yeah. When you're young, yep. you don't have that leash. Yeah, I've got him in my uh, NFBC draft and hold. I took him in like round 43 or 44 in like January. And my my whole thought going into it was the Mariners are going to be terrible, which they haven't been. (laughs) But um, I thought that they would be bad and uh, he would just get an opportunity at some point during the year. I, I didn't expect it to be this soon. But yeah, looking at his minor league numbers and stuff, I thought I just felt like he was kind of close, you know, and would maybe provide a little bit of upside. And I tell you what, when you get in those 50 rounders, 
draft and holds and you get anybody that remotely sticks, it's huge. Like I'm pumped that I have him because it was real late and a lot of those picks, they don't even play, you know, like you don't Mm -hmm. even get any time out of them. So getting anything out of him and I started him this week. So I'm, I'm happy with it for sure. I hope he keeps it rolling. I can see more and more now that I'm doing my, I've, I've done a draft and hold a few years ago, but this one's, I feel is a little different going in already. I'm looking at my pitching and the injuries happening and things going on. I'm like, my God, this is amazing that we're three weeks in the year and I'm already like, I've got guys in there, but I can't believe how many of them are not pitching right now. <laughs> That's crazy. It's common. It's common in those type of leagues, that for sure. Before we get out of here, I do want to bring up the t-shirt contest that we did before the season. Username Mark Heehe gave us a rating and we drew his name to get a free t-shirt. And Mark, you have not contacted us yet. Please reach out to us in the next week so that we can send you that t-shirt. I'm going to find the Facebook post that I put in the group and pull it back up too. But we're going to give you another week to get a hold of you or get a hold of us. Reach out to me on Facebook on messenger through the facebook group if you can or because if we don't hear from you in the next week we may have to go to the runner-up at that point and speaking of the group go join our facebook group baseball 365 we've got so many great conversations going on there all the time our twitter is baseball 365 pod i'm trying to tweet there about every at least once a day showing and i'm retweeting some interesting things that i'm seeing people who know a lot more than you or i know that are, I'm trying to get that stuff out there and be more active on it. And it's been fun. I've enjoyed Twitter, but follow us on those on Twitter. And all right, Andrew, before we get out of here, anything else you want to add? No, that's about it. We'll probably, uh, since we did all the depressing ones this week, probably next we'll do guys that are off to hot starts. Yeah, we'll do the same thing. How real are these players and talk about the pot starts for the, Guys who we weren't expecting to be hot. Maybe we'll talk about some of the superstars, too. Just throw some of those in there. But I think we are most of them we expected. So, I, uh, huh? I, I just watched the Vladdy home run from tonight. Uh-huh. He hit it into the parking lot. Oh, my word. So make sure, make, <laughs> sure, make sure you see the highlight. I will definitely do so. All right. Well, we're going to get out of here. I appreciate you all. Enjoy the show. Hope you all enjoyed the show. And take care, everybody. Take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. Baseball 365.